Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Hey, John, how you doing, man? Fantastic. Uh, we are in Super Bowl week. Yep, and uh, we are recording this <laughs> well in advance, so yes. we are going to really step out on the limb here and kind of give our ideas of predictions of the Super Bowl. One, I guess, who's going to be in it, and then who's going to win it. And of course, so I already know where your heart is. Now, the question <laughs> is, is your head lined up with your heart on this one? Yeah, this is a tough one. And I guess everybody's going to find out who the true prophet is and who the false prophet is. Where football uh, is concerned, <laughs> I don't think God gives one rip. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so my heart is definitely wanting to see the Jaguars uh, and the Cowboys play. At this point, both are still in it. Yep. Uh, and it, man, this is hard because if if I they say they could technically play each other, right? They could, which would be my dream game. Uh, but here, my problem is this: is that if I if I don't say the Jaguars, and then the Jaguars make it, uh, everybody that knows me in Jacksonville is going to be like <laughs> sell out. <laughs> so it makes it a little more difficult. But I hope and. Everything in my heart that it's the Cowboys and the Jaguars. If you ask me the football side of me, yeah. and I love football, uh, I think that it's going to be the Chiefs, which is the team that I know you like. I'm not a fan there. And then uh, I I probably would think San Francisco. Mm. If if I But if I had to put one, I would say the Cowboys and the Chiefs and the Cowboys winning – because Cowboys is my childhood team, sure. and I mean it goes back to six years of age. I started being a follower of the Dallas Cowboys. Don Meredith. Yeah. So that tells you how old I am. Yeah. Well, yeah. we always know you're older than me. So yeah. <laughs> well, like five days. <laughs> hey, most best five days in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, upper hand forever, don't you? Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, heart. And I think head is for me is the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, of course, like any, you know, the amazing thing about football, it is on any given Sunday. Yeah. You know, you didn't get to this place in the playoffs by being a bad team. Yep. You know, I do think there are a couple of teams in the playoffs that are playing above like their 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 hearts driving them, and it, it feels like they're playing above their actual skill level. If but. you say the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> we may have we may we may be wrestling on our podcast here because man, the Jaguars. I I I I did the entire game. I felt like that they were the better team uh, than San Diego or uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, but it, they were just turning the ball over. Yeah, sure. With, you know, and so once they stopped turning the ball over. I do feel like that they were a better team. So the Jaguars, look out, man. They have a great team. And I think in the next couple of years, they could be winning Super Bowls. Yeah, we'll see. So, well, that's a, <laughs> you guys get over that. We'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in, in sports, it's, you know, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. And both of us enjoy sports. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, we, at the same time, I think we'd say that we make way too much, meaning our culture makes way too much of it. Sure. You know, it's a game. 
It is a game. You know, it's a game I enjoy watching, but at the end of the day, it's a game. So, you know, and I am already a winner because Tom Brady is not in the Super Bowl. So, (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a little jealousy thing. There is no question. No question. No question. Undeniably, you know, I I can acknowledge that he is probably the greatest of all times and still say I don't like him. He is without a doubt the greatest of all times. And 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 that is absolutely based on jealousy and the. Terrible numbers, thirty-one twenty-eight. Yeah. Which, <laughs> well, as are a you guy still who, a Falcons fan, or well, did you give you them know, up that day? Yeah. You know, it's hard to be a Falcons fan, but I try. Yeah. You know, but but I would certainly say that uh, my hope is that the Kansas City Chiefs win this year, and I am actually hopeful for next year, not Super Bowl, maybe, mm-hmm. but definitely a winning season for the Broncos. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, fine if they do, fine if they don't. Yeah. I don't really – I like to rub it into all the guys upstairs that uh, <laughs> yeah. that like the Broncos. So, yeah. uh, anyway, so you didn't give us an NFC team. So, who do you think that they will play? I I don't know. It, it depends on how Prescott plays. Yep. But he ha- – I think the Cowboys have a chance. Yep. I would rather see the Cowboys over the 49ers. Yeah. But it's going it, to – I think it's a – it's, who's going to win out of the, I don't know. Well, and don't sleep on the Eagles. I am not an Eagles fan. You yeah. cannot be both a Cowboys and Eagles fan. But I do have a great respect for them. And and this year they seem to be the most complete team. Yeah. You know, early in the year, yeah. they were unstoppable. You know, they've lost some games. But, yeah. you know, the, the one piece of trivia for me about the Eagles is, you know, that the Philadelphia Stadium is the only stadium in the NFC or in all of the NFL that has a jail in the building. Wow. So that says something about their fans. And they have some pretty rowdy <laughs> fans. They do two jails. Yeah. Overflows. Uh, so. Though I will say best football movie ever, Invictus. No, not Invictus. Invincible. Yeah. Invincible. Best football movie ever about yeah. the Eagles. So, yeah. yeah. That's my one give. I'll, one thing I'll give to the Eagles. Nothing else. I give nothing to the Eagles. So <laughs> <laughs> you give everything you want to. All so. right. So we've yeah. taken up enough of your time today talking about our silliness in football. Uh, today we want to talk about a needful subject. I think yeah. it's a good subject. Uh, it's one thing that people – I don't know a single person in the world who would say – I want to embrace this idea, but it's important, and that's yeah. the whole idea of failure. Yep. You know, it's it's not if you fail, it's when you fail, because failure in some respects, in some avenue of life, is inevitable. Yeah, and actually, I, I think even taking that a step further is that how you navigate through your failures will determine if you're successful in areas of your life. Absolutely. I can say with absolute 100% credibility, I have learned way more from my failures than I have ever learned from successes. Yep. You know, and, and the truth is I tend to take credit for my successes and the natural tendency is to blame others for my failures. <laughs> but when I embrace... Yep. My failures. I think that's where I really have the opportunity to grow. And, you know, and wisdom is also learning, being able to learn from other people's failures. Sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, like, hey, if you don't want to be an alcoholic, it's, it's easy to go, well, I was an alcoholic. And then, you know, I learned from my failure. 
But it also shows wisdom if you learn from other people that were alcoholics or whatever their failures may have been so that you don't go down the same road. But learning from failure is really one of the greatest keys to success. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And, you know, it's 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 one of those principles that I think everybody or not, at least both you have you both you and I acknowledge and embrace at the same time. (laughs) Failure is painful. I hate failure. Yeah. I mean, probably one of my testimonies from my life uh-huh. is when I was a kid and I love my dad, but my dad was like, uh, if I started something, I could not quit. Failure was not an option. And it got ingrained at a young mm. age, very competitive. You know, I played college football, uh, love sports. And like failing at something, one of my favorite quotes, I say this ashamedly, <laughs> was from Vince Lombardi. Uh, Vince Lombardi said, if you show me a good loser, I'll, I'll show you a loser. loser. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, and so, uh, you know, whatever you have to do to win. And, I, you know, after I came to became a Christian, a lot of that began to change. But that's just the way that I was wired early on. And so failure was like not an option. Yeah. And, um, you know, but it's not honest because the truth of it is all of us have failed. And throughout the scriptures, some of the greatest successes in the kingdom of God have been people who utterly failed. Yeah. You know, of course, as a missionary, you know, for so many years, you know, it'd be easy to think, well, you know, who, who do you think is every missionary's hero? Great missionaries. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it, sorry, biblical, <laughs> biblical, biblical characters. Apostle Paul. Yeah, of course. Yeah. One of my f- actual heroes in the New Testament, as it relates to missionaries, is John Mark. Mm. He's he fails. He's Barnabas's nephew. They go out on the first missionary tour. John quits. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets to Cyprus. Probably looks at those mountains and goes, eh, I don't think I really want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, the beach looks better than those mountains do because, you know, they're able to climb over those and everything. But at the end of Paul's life, Paul makes reference to the fact that how useful that John Mark was to his ministry. So clearly he did not allow his failure to define who he was. And I mean, this was this was significant enough between Paul and Barnabas that they actually split over this. But the point for for me, one of the things that I wanted to touch base on this episode is how important it is to have the right kind of people walking with you through failure. A- absolutely. You know, I when I think of John Mark and just talk, you know just things i see in scripture but like so paul the apostle paul is the the guy who brings the great understanding of the grace of god yeah. all of this kind sure. of, and you have that guy who writes incessantly about the <laughs> grace of god and he's like yeah it's, john it, mark you're not coming with me i'm done yeah <laughs> it's like grace 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 law here buddy <laughs> yeah, and i don't you know if if you and when there was a split you know between um you know b- between paul and um uh, he went with silas who's uh, paul and barnabas yep. so when that split happened you know the rest of scripture tracks with paul you never really hear from Barnabas again. I don't know that Paul was necessarily wrong for the take that he had with John Mark, but the timing, I think, was everything. And it, and what you beautifully said 
is that by the end of Paul's life, he's now talking about John Mark as this incredible example of the person who didn't abandon him, who didn't quit, and was there for him in those last years. So it really navigating failure is really critical. Hey, and we probably wouldn't want to leave out the fact that he authored one of the Gospels. Yeah. <laughs> Little side note there. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. and and probably the Gospel that was the probably the first mm-hmm. of the Gospels and the ones that the other Gospel writers relied on the most when they were telling their own story and expanding on it. So the whole point being there for me is that here's an example of he failed. Yep. But clearly, he didn't allow failure to become his identity. Exactly. Have you ever met people that it seemed like failure had become so much a part of their life that it kind of became their identity? Many times. As a matter of fact, um, there's probably a lot of people that either go see counselors Mm -hmm. or live with the fact that they have felt like a failure. And sometimes as parents, I think that we have to be careful with our children you know, being able to instruct is one thing, but if we give the idea that like, oh, you messed up again, look, you failed mm. again, you know, that really can have a way of wedging its way into our heart. And I would nearly guarantee you that there's people that are watching today that have either felt like that their whole life is a failure, mm. they've been, they've identified a point in their life where they failed, and it has defined their entire life. Yeah, sure. And that is not God's plan. No. God wants us to move beyond our failures. Yeah. I can remember years ago hearing a Christian leader talk about the fact that he'd grown up in a pastor's home. Yep. He had a lot of respect for his dad. Um, But he said, you know, I could have spent two hours cleaning the garage. My dad would come out and he would look and he would see the one thing I didn't do to perfection. And that would be the thing that he pointed out. And if you track with that guy's history that carried over into his adult life. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't a grace filled approach to life. It was a very, you know, measurement, everything, you know, and that's an unattainable way of living. I mean, it's just, it's, it's burdensome. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I don't know about you. When I think about this, I, you know, Parenting's one of those things that, you know, it's the hardest job in the world. You know, I, I think back and it, that was always for me a real hard balance to find. Yeah. I wanted to encourage my children to be the best they could be. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried, we tried to never say, this is what you should do or this is what you should be. But we did say, but whatever you, you know, God's given you these gifts, you should be the most you can be. Yeah. With those, you know, there's a there's that tension between pushing <laughs> someone to excel while at the same time not creating an attitude of, like you said, there's no place for failure here. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and here's can be a danger as well is in, you know, when you're trying to avoid failure at such a cost that you uh, everything in your life is about succeeding. And then when you do fail, that can be hard. And then here's also another danger is that when that crosses over to relationships Mm. and then you start to be competitive in relationships. When I was, you know, just a new believer, I found that the competition that I had, you know, in sports kind of, you know, I didn't want to fail. I wanted to be a winner. 
Well, then you get into relationships and you want to win and you want to be the winner and you want to be the best. And, you know, uh, have you noticed that people don't really want to hang around with that guy very much? (laughs) That will kill. (laughs) It will kill relationships. Sure. And so being able to be able to go, hey, I I want to be good when I play sports or when I do things. But, you know, board games, my goodness. But then being able to step back and go, hey, don't let my, you know, my desire to excel or succeed or not fail be so great that you you let that enter into personal relationships. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of course, we, we've made a lot of reference because when we talk about failure, one of the easiest things to think about when we talk about winning and losing is sports or games yeah. or whatever. But life's not a game. That's right. And, you know, I can go out and play golf. It's just expected I'm going to be the one who loses. I mean, I'm a terrible <laughs> golfer. You know, uh, there's we we went and played. Uh, we had an event, team building event here on my missions team recently, and we went and bowled. Right. You know, let's just say I wish my golf score and my bowling score could be swapped. I know exactly. You know, and uh, but I don't care. Yeah. But there are other things I do care deeply about. Sure. You know, I mean. I set goals for myself. Mm-hmm. I want to succeed. Yep. At the same time, I want to always make sure that that's bathed in grace mm-hmm. so that, you know, when I fail and I'm going to fail, yep. you know, I, I, I used to I say it about myself all the time. I would rather aim at the stars and hit the moon. The name for nothing. The name for nothing. Yeah. You know. Well, and unfortunately, too, you know, as a pastor and counselor, when you have people that come to your office and marriages that are about to mm. fall apart and, you know, and you have that kind of failure or people who have gone through divorce um, and their their relationships are at that place, man, it can be a defining part of, of their life. Yeah. If, if you're not careful how you navigate through failures will oftentimes determine uh, your happiness, the joy that mm. you have, and your ability to move on in life and do things and have a quality life. The abundant life that Jesus promised us will be how we navigate through our failures. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. For me, I, I you know, if, if you ask me the first step for, Mark, how do you navigate a failure? First thing is I have to acknowledge what was my responsibility here and and what wasn't. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we fail purely because of our own stuff. And then sometimes there's other people involved yeah. in this equation. And so for me, it's own my part right. in the failure. You know, I can't if I'm blaming others, I'm never gonna succeed. I'm never gonna mm-hmm. grow. So I have to start with what was my responsibility here? And sometimes you know, that may be, okay, 10% of this was on me. 90% of this was on the other person yeah. or other people. But own the 10%. I have to own the 10. Yeah. Otherwise, if, you can't move forward because you're you're not you're not moving from a place of honesty. Yes. And I'm, you know, but, but I've, I've met so many people who are like, well, when he owns his 90, I'll own my 10. Yeah. The problem is you're giving... Somebody else control over your life. Yep. You won't be able to grow until you acknowledge that that one part of the, that was in your responsibility that you blew. 
Yeah, and most of the time, I, I mean, I think if we're honest, uh, most of them, not always. There are situations that people are hundred percent right, and the other person's a hundred, you know, hundred percent wrong. But most of the time, when we get into situations and conflict and disagreements, most of the time it, there's a percentage of yep. one person, you know, and owning what that part is is the first step to being able to move forward and not live in that place of failure. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I think of my, in my mind immediately, I think about somebody I know in my life mm-hmm. who has struggled with relationships. And one of the challenges is that they haven't owned their part. Yeah. You know, and when you if you don't own your part, you can't grow. And what I've discovered is you keep repeating the same thing over and over yeah. and over again because you don't grow through your failure. So for me, I think part of this is you have to embrace it. Yep. You know, and embracing failure doesn't make you doesn't define you as a failure. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's a really important thing that you're bringing up there, Mark, is that if um, if failure is a part of your identity and who you are, then when you fail, then you're a failure. And mm-hmm. I think being able to say, hey, I have failed at an endeavor in life or I have failed in a situation doesn't make me a failure, is being able to separate that from who I am. Because when I was younger— uh, the me failing at something became mm. I failed because I'm stupid. Mm. I failed because I'm inadequate. I failed because I'm not bright enough uh, to succeed. And, and, and when you start to see yourself in that light, that's the defining part. So being able to say, you know what, I can fail at something, but it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. Yeah. Right? A hundred percent. What are some practical ways of doing that. So let's, let's assume, you know, you're dealing with an area in your life that you've had a failure mm-hmm. and we're not talking necessarily here. We're not really, we've talked in earlier episodes about moral failures. Yeah. That's not what we're necessarily talking about here. Yeah. You, you, but you failed. It could be a business. Yeah, absolutely. It could be a relationship. Sure. It could be, there's so many things that, that can include so, failure. So we talked about maybe step one, embrace it. Yeah. Own it. What's number two? I think awareness is so important. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I know, you know, it's a big term, you know, probably now in, in our culture is self-awareness. I think, you know, being able to sit down and really be able to evaluate what was my part in it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what did I do or what could I have done differently? Yep. And being OK with that when and, and I think this is where Christ makes such an incredible difference and he should make in our lives where we can go, I'm a child of God. I am a, a son of the king. So I know who I am in Christ. So then when I go into these areas of being able to examine and look, I'm not letting it put me in this place as, as a failure mm. or being identified that way. But what it, what I'm doing is I'm going, how can I be more like Jesus? How could I navigate through the next situation and be a little bit better than I was um, in in my past experiences, and that's a part of growing. So I think that when you look as as uh, at failure as a as a pathway to growth, personally and in my life, I I think then it really becomes a strength rather than failure being a defining thing. It can be this is a place of growth. Mm-hmm. So failure becomes a real part of being a success in life. Yeah. That, I think, is a great biblical way to look at 
through self-awareness and being able to honestly evaluate situations. Yeah, I talk it for myself when I think through this, I think about embrace. I'm going to sound like a preacher here with the, you know, <laughs> embrace, evaluate so that I can elevate. Yep. So, you know, embrace, look, I can't live in denial here. Mm -hmm. there, I, I failed and part of this is on me. Yep. Evaluate what was on me and what can I do different next time so that I don't repeat the same thing so that I can elevate so I can actually learn from my mistakes and not repeat them, you know? And so for me, you know, I, I look at where I'm at today and any degree of success that I have, I think partly comes from the fact of being able to look back and go, I absolutely failed here. I don't ever want to do that again. How can I grow in such a way that I learn from that mistake and not repeat it again? Yep. And don't and just just throwing this out to you, Mark. Uh, don't you like to be in relationship with people who can stop in those moments where they failed or do done something wrong, and really own it, and then go and say, "Hey, I'm really sorry that I said that or did that." And you know, how can we work? You know, to move forward. It really makes life a lot more pleasant to be able to apologize, have heartfelt, mm. honest apologies, and then start to work through, you know, how can we do this better in the future? Sure, absolutely. And for me, you know, I think, so part of one of the key, the, maybe the lubricant that makes this whole thing move well is humility. Yeah. You know, because you, you use the word apology, and I agree 100%. For me, a suiting, you know, the, a proper form of apology isn't yeah. just saying, hey, John, I messed up. Right. That's the first step. The second step is, will you forgive me? Yes. Because there's a humility there because I have shifted power <laughs> from me to you. Yeah. Because only you can, then you have the control. Now, whether you choose to forgive me or not, that's in your hands. Yes. But I have relinquished control yep. of that. There's a humility there that I think, and I think humility is the mm -hmm. first step to any form of growth. And real apologies. And I, you know, just, I mean, just a little side note here. I'm sorry you, you were offended <laughs> when I told you. <laughs> I'm sorry that you misunderstood me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but that real own it of like, you know what, here's specifically where I went wrong and I want to apologize. And but that's the part of being aware, then owning it. And now now you're working towards, uh, you know, I, I love this in, in the scripture where it says that if you've stolen now, return. Mm -hmm. So if you fail, Zacchaeus, he gave back to the people that he uh, he took from. So so in failure or shortcomings or lack, then you come back and you really make it right maybe through restitution or really like, how can I take my failure and not just say that I learned from it, but really grow from it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I can think back to one particular instance in my life where, you know, I led, I was in a leadership position and I led downward really well. I did not lead upward well. Mm -hmm. And when and 
And what I mean by leading is, it wasn't my job to lead the person above me, but I could lead the relationship. Yeah. And I made, what I did there is I just made too many assumptions. Mm. And, you know, but, and over time, that relationship deteriorated to a point where I was like, I don't want to be in this anymore. It was not yeah. healthy. It, it wasn't good. And I look back at that and go, some of that wasn't on me, but some of that certainly was on me. And I think I'm a much better leader today because of having walked through that. You know, I'm not going to make yeah. that mistake. You know, I'll make other mistakes, <laughs> yeah. but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Well, and, you know, just as a, you know, I, I know you didn't really, you're not bringing this up, so I, I, I will. Hopefully it's not, you know, hopefully I put this in the right context, but, you know, I've been working with you for a year now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think we kind of say this here, but on an organizational chart, mm -hmm. I'm. You're my I'm, boss. I'm your boss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I got to tell you, whatever mistake that you had in the past of leading upward, that certainly has not been my experience with you here. Well, the way that you have led the team and that we've interacted has been so positive and so good. And, I, and, and I'm just saying that as a compliment to you is that if you had that as a failure in your past, you certainly have grown through that. And the way that you deal with the people that, you know, are that you leave, lead upward with has been, I mean, hey, when I look at it, I, I can't think of anybody mm. – that has done any better in that regards. Well, thank you. You're very kind. So, and you know, some of that is, so some of that's a, an intellectual, emotional maturity yep. that takes place in our lives. And some of it's a spiritual maturity. Yep. You know, I, I, in, the, in a few weeks, we're going to have a whole episode that deals with the issue of pride, mm. which it will, I think will be a, and we're going to address it from a positive perspective of not, not how pride is positive. And we're a couple of prideful guys. <laughs> so. um, but, but more of how can we protect ourselves yeah. from that? And, but you know, it's interesting because pride is something that's very easy for me to see in you and very hard to see in myself. That's right. You know, and we love to say, man, that guy's prideful. You know, where it may actually be us that's prideful. Or it's a, it may it's be. It's a mirror. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In some respects, we see in others what we lack in ourselves. Yeah. And so for me, you know, this whole idea of embracing is, I just, I think it's a New Testament concept. Mm -hmm. Paul says, I in, in one sense, I put behind me the thing, you know, those things that are behind me. I, right. I look, you know, all the failures, all the whatevers, you know, mm -hmm. I try to put those behind me. I strive to be all that I am called to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. The motivating factor of all of this for me is the love of God. Amen. Romans chapter eight, what can separate me from the love of God? I think every human being is longing for somebody who knows them fully yep. and still loves them. Yeah, and, and and listen, you can't bypass on this sub on this subject that you're talking about now, you cannot bypass the fact that sometimes when we when we fail, I think there's an old saying that, you know, hurt people hurt, hurt people. people. Sure. And that when you feel like a failure, 
that sometimes it's easy to start imposing that yes. on the people that are around you because like, hey, like welcoming everybody into your failure, you know, because yeah. like it's hard to watch somebody when you're in that position that's successful and happy and joyful and you're like, <laughs> yeah, I don't you want. To, yeah, exactly. I don't want to see them succeed. I want to, you know, what is the thing? You know, don't try to keep up with the Joneses when it's so much easier to pull them down to your level. <laughs> there you go, just pull them right on down. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, but you know, for me, the ability to grow from my failures starts with a theological understanding that there's no, therefore, now no condemnation. Yeah, because when when I fail. And an unhealthy view of failure, where does it go? Condemnation. 100%. Condemning myself, condemning others. Yeah. But not, you know, there there won't be any condemnation for right now because you're doing okay. But the next time you fail, you know, okay, condemnation yeah. shows back up. No. Theologically, positionally, in Christ, there's no condemnation. Look, I blow it every single day. In my attitudes, in, you know, the thoughts that I might have, whatever. There's not a day that goes by that I don't fail to meet God's holy standard. Yep. So in that sense, failure is a daily experience for me. But instead of moving toward condemnation, mm -hmm. I embrace it. I own it before God. And instead of there being condemnation, there's actually joy because I like... I don't have to wallow in pity or, you know, beating myself up. Instead, I'm going, Christ has set me free from this. Yeah. And, and, and so there's joy in that. You know, if, if failure, if your motivation from failure is, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to excel even greater. <laughs> Guess what? You're going to be the most unpleasant person in the world yep. to be around. It will sap every bit of joy that you have. It will from you and from those around you. Yeah. But to say, you know, look, I, I'm, we're not saying we don't own our mistakes. Mm -hmm. We're not saying we don't own our failures. We've said yep. it already. We embrace them. But we go, how can I grow from it? And then we walk in grace putting the past behind and looking forward. Yeah, but while you're bringing that up, I'm thinking of 1 John, you know, we're first, first John chapter 1. He who says he... It says, if we <laughs> confess, that yeah. means you... But in order to really confess it, you have to be aware of it, you have to own it, you have to speak it. Yep. Now you're confessing it, but then he And is, confess just means agree with God. Right. He already knows. <laughs> agree with the truth <laughs> yeah. of what God already knows. Yep. But then he is faithful and just to wash and to cleanse to pull us back up. What does it say? That a righteous man fails seven, seven times. times. He gets back up. Yeah. That really is what defines success. And it's all through the scripture. It is literally, I mean, you, you go from Adam and Eve yeah. to Abraham to Moses who kills a man who, you know, uh, they, King David who has an affair. Like every, every person, it seems like that God uses in powerful mm. ways has has these moments of failure that they have to navigate and grow through so that they can really find the greatness of the things that God has for them. Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the greatest New Testament examples of this is Peter. Yeah. You know, often wrong, never in doubt. 
<laughs> you know, he's you know people condemn Peter because he was you know lack of faith when he got out on the water. Everybody else was sitting in the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's the one who had the faith to get out and even try, but yeah. he also is the one who you know denies Christ three times, yeah. and yet becomes a pillar of the church. You know, the church in Rome was probably planted by Peter. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Peter gives up his life there. So many examples of, you know, that our failures don't have to mm-hmm. define us, but they can actually be a, a stepping stone toward to, toward a, a greater understanding of grace and mercy from God's perspective and a, a helping us have grace and mercy on ourselves and for others around us. Amen. You know, an interesting story with that, just a little side note on a podcast. So I was in... Riga uh, in Latvia, mm-hmm. and we're I'm walking. Never through. been there. Oh, really? Yeah, beautiful Never been to place. Latvia. They actually yeah. they call it the uh, they call it the Paris of Eastern Europe. Be- okay, beautiful, mm. amazing city. So I'm walking through one of the leaders there, and he's kind of showing me the spots. And they they come to Saint Peter's uh, Church. Okay, and I'm going. Oh, well, this is great. So uh, it's the tallest church in Europe. Okay, I'm looking at the top of it, and I go. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, is it a cross? There is a chicken on top <laughs> of the church. And I go, is that a chicken? It is not. It doesn't look like a cross. It's a chicken. He goes, well, you know, the rooster crowed three times. And I said, so now I want to get this straight. <laughs> so they build a church. They put Peter's name on it. Then when they get to the steeple, instead of a cross, they put a chicken to take the, uh, you know, to, to represent the crow, to remind us of the greatest moment of failure <laughs> in the man's life. And sometimes it can be how we are, that, you know, we're constantly reminded mm. of our failure. Here we are 2,000 years after Christ, sure. and there's still a crow at the top of a church. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a funny thing, but I mean, think about it today. If we were building a church, what would be at the top of ours? Mm. What would What would be the symbolism for my greatest failure? that oftentimes does, if I'm not careful, can define yeah. me. Yeah. You know, so for me, I look at people who fail, or me, whenever I fail, the, the three natural tendencies are one, to deny. Yeah. So, you know, and of course, that doesn't help anybody. Number two would be to, so I, I don't deny that I failed, but it debilitates me. You know, like, man, I failed. I'm not doing that again. You know, it's like, and I've, and I've been there because failure can lead to massive discouragement. Yep. You know, that, there's that temptation of I didn't only fail, I am a failure. Yeah. And is it fair to say that when you push it down and you try to go, okay, but you don't really process it, but you just kind of go, I'm just going to push those feelings down. That it just comes out in really weird ways. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. You know, and so for me, then the, the the part that helps me grow is having somebody that I can walk with mm-hmm. in this. You know, that doesn't mean I need to process. You know, a lot of people who listen to our podcast are in ministry. Yep. Yeah, because we just that's who. The, a lot of times, that's the tribe we walk with. So we got a lot of friends yeah. around the world who are listening to it. And yeah, or people who are believers that really want to grow in their walk with Christ. Yeah, which, sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, in that process of, you know, they don't, 
it's easier. You know, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. You know, as if we're in, we need to be, I do think we need to be careful how we process our failures. Yeah. If you're a church leader, you have to remember that there are people out there listening to you that for good or for bad, see you as something. I think you can, you can mention the fact, you can talk about the fact that I don't live up to, you know, I fail. Mm-hmm. But I also think the pulpit's not a place for counseling. It's not my place to vomit out all sure. of, you know, that. But that doesn't mean sometimes pastors particularly or church leaders can say, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take this into the public. But the other side of it is we don't keep it in the secret. Yeah. Because only dark, bad things grow in the dark. There's got to be a place in the middle that's private, mm-hmm. but a place where you can be honest and process. And, you know, I look back at probably the, it, in many respects, what was the roughest time in my life. I have a good friend named Butch. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if Butch listens to the podcast or not, but if, if he did, you know, in, in some senses, as overstatement to say Butch saved my life. Yeah. But he certainly gave me a safe place to talk. Good deal. You know, and I think we all need, you know, I think that's what Barnabas was for John Mark. Well, and what is the scripture says, you who are spiritual, restore, restore. the yes. weaker brother. Not condemn. Yep. <laughs> Not correct. Judge. Yeah. yeah. Restore. Well. And so, you know, two things today as we close, I'd like to for us to point out. One is we all need that kind of person yes. in our life. And I think we all need to be that kind of person for other, other people. people. Yep. So, any last thoughts as we're wrapping up today, John? Yeah, I just want to say to some folks that are out there, um, you know, failure is common to man. So there's nobody that's watching today that hasn't failed. How you navigate through that will determine how far and how great your life is used for the kingdom and and just the joy that you have walking through these things. And so in the cross of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. he provided a way for us to live in success, for us to overcome our failures, I think is one of the greatest parts of being a believer. Mm -hmm. It would be a shame uh, to be a believer to be someone who believes in Christ and yet lives a life that's defined, uh, that's defined by by failures. Mm. And so today, uh, we want to just ask you embrace it, come to that place where you're honest with it, uh, begin to go through those steps, get people in your life that are going to help walk the journey with you, yeah. and then as and as you go through that, let let your failures become the pathway to God doing some of the most amazing things in your life, because it is possible. You just have to believe. Amen. John, would you pray for those people who are watching today who maybe have experienced failure and maybe they feel a little bit debilitated by it? Would you pray for them? 100%. Jesus, we love you today. And God, myself and Mark, we're, we're not here as people, Lord, who have it all together that have made every wise decision. We have failed. But God, we thank you today for your incredible grace and mercy. And God, I pray for people that may be uh, listening or watching today. And God, maybe there's areas in their life that they look at and, and, and there's shame and there's guilt. And Lord, there's regrets 
I pray today, God, that you would begin to lift them to the place, God, that they can embrace and own it and be honest with it. And God, begin to process through this. And Lord, I pray that they would find that their greatest moments of failure can be the the pathway, God, that you use to bring them into incredible successes personally and then, Lord, for the kingdom of God. We pray, Lord, that our lives, Lord, would be an instrument to glorify your great name. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that you have helped us to overcome death, hell, and the grave and every failure, God, that has been in our past. We pray it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We always value your time. And so uh, if the content has been helpful to you, we ask that you'd share it. Let people that you know uh, know about this so that their lives can also be built up and encouraged. In the meantime, uh, we look forward to seeing you next week when we are going to discuss the important subject of joy. Uh, How do we keep it? How do we fight for it even when things aren't going well? Hope you have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. If you enjoy listening to John and Mark, you could see both of them in person at the Fire in Our Bones conferences. Their heart is to see your passion for God and your calling rekindled. Check out worldchallenge.org or the show notes for more details. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.